in between the pines into a cabin let's summon our courage for the ritual know what the sound they made were you chanting there <laughs> yeah Alex? i was trying to chant i don't know what, i don't know what kind of chant they did i guess it was more of like a yeah but i guess it was more of a anyways welcome back to the monsters versus men podcast this is not a cult i promise um this well. is the bargain basement of the monster <laughs> podcasting airwaves yeah, well, we do have the bargain base mites, which I guess we could call it a cult, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing the ritual. Uh, I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. And Alex, honestly, I think our film here, if you haven't seen the ritual, I think you deserve a disclaimer because I did not get one. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the fact that this is a straight up horror film, um, like a 21st century horror film, uh, mm-hmm. like... You just need to know that it, it. I, I'm surprised that it's it's really so well thought of as a giant monster movie in the giant monster kind of online community, because I, I mean, yeah, it is a giant monster movie, but that's not its primary genre. Its primary genre is horror. Mm. Some people would argue that is Godzilla. Hmm. Potentially, potentially. Original but, movie, obviously. Yeah. Son of Godzilla too. some people would say. <laughs> uh, but this was, a, this was a split decision as well. Um, on Twitter, Psycho Gorman, actually the three seed, beat out the ritual as the number two seed in yeah. a very close decision. But then on Patreon, um, it was kind of overwhelmingly in favor of the ritual actually. And wow. so because of the split vote on Twitter and Patreon – we decided to ask our executive producers and Faye weighed in and said the ritual. Yeah. And so that's and, what, that's and what Michael we was a no response. Thanks a lot, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I bet he voted on the ritual. I think he's mentioned that movie to us. Before. I actually think he probably would have too. Um, but yeah. Uh, so we went with the ritual and honestly, I was expecting like, I, I, I didn't see a trailer. I knew nothing about it. I was expecting kind of a PG-13 level horror film oh. with a giant monster attached. Yeah. That's you not just... what we got <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> so no. you need to know this is an R-rated horror film. And yeah, just know that going in. Yeah. And I think you'll be okay. Yeah. It, it's it's pretty <laughs> – it's got some pretty brutal things in it. Ooh. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I texted you, and I was you like, did? wow, this is intense. Yeah, yeah, I think your text was actually, hang on, I'm pulling it up. <laughs> your text was, because I, I had finished it right when you were starting it, and you uh-huh. said, um, <laughs> this is a horror film, LOL. 
<laughs> I really didn't know. I really didn't know. I mean, obviously, the ritual, I'm like, this is going to be, there's going to be a horror element, of course, involved here. But I had no idea. Oh, my God. My, my response to you was the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole way through. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I even I even was second guessing myself as starting. I'm like, we're, we are watching the ritual on Netflix from 2017, right? Th- that's true. Like, you did yes. text me that. Yeah. You said ritual 2018, right? <laughs> I was yes. like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was just like, this is not, it doesn't feel like a giant monster movie. It's funny because I, I had not quite because I, I had more of an idea of what I was getting into. But uh-huh. when you texted me that, I was like, oh, Eric started it. And he's like, what? Yes. <laughs> Uh, at one point, Neely walked in. Apparently, she had been talking with Cece, and she said, Neely, do not watch this film. I'm not watching it, but it's scaring me to death, or something like that. <laughs> I didn't know they were talking. That's funny. Uh, this is awesome. Which <laughs> yeah, is awesome. she was over here cowering in fear the whole time. Oh, you know, yeah. she wasn't watching it. Exactly. But then but then, <laughs> when she did decide to kind of watch it, it was like the most horrifying parts. Yeah. <laughs> she's like i'll watch now yeah yeah uh, boy. all right well let's get into it then i'm sure we'll discuss more of these uh horrors as we do our review yeah um many moody horror films feature obvious allegorical elements to deal with the dark side of the human experience and the ritual is no exception like many other films we've watched in this series there's that element of grief at the heart of this film but I think we can safely say that this is the darkest. So to start things off, Alex, number one, we just talked about it. But how surprised were you at how horror filled this movie was? And number two, mm. how is the ritual's handling of that allegorical element different than some of the other films that we've watched in the series? Ooh. Uh, okay. So as for surprised on the horror film aspect, yeah, I, I was surprised. Even though I knew it was a horror film, uh, like I had a rough idea of what the monster looked like. So mm. I kind of had an idea of like it was going to be pretty scary, or at least like pretty creepy. I thought actually I thought it was going to be more creepy than anything. Yeah, which you know it, but very horror. But this is like I didn't know what kind of horror. Uh, I didn't know what it would be and like to what depth. And like this one proceeds to dip its toes into like all kinds of different, like not quite genres of, of horror, but yeah, I guess, I'll go ahead and say genres. Cause I can't think of a better word, but so it dips its toes into possession a little bit, like in the mm-hmm. house, mm-hmm. it dips its toes into ritualistic hillbillies, <laughs> <laughs> um, atmospheric horror, and yes. then monster horror. Uh, so a little bit of everything, which for the most part I liked, uh, the allegorical elements are also, they're pretty well done. Like, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you in just a second, but I, I did read this as a story of a, of a one man racked with grief and regret uh, from being a coward. Uh, and that cowardice has cost him and his relationship with his friends. Yeah. Now, it, now is that a one-to-one allegory throughout the film? I don't think so. Um I don't even know if it's cohesive. Yeah. If you do try to follow that plot thread now, but I, I, I do want to try to reach, I'm going to stretch okay. <laughs> on this one. We haven't done this in a while where I kind of, <laughs> I kind of stretch maybe what it, this film is saying, but I, I, I do think there is a nugget of something here, whether I'm on the mark or not might be laughable. We'll see. But 
It feels obviously like this is Luke's story. We see him almost completely emotionless through mm-hmm. most of the film. Uh, and it, it's he, he's clear that he has a PTSD of sorts. His trauma and their suspicion of his, like, what happened in the store, because none of them are clear, mm-hmm. has clearly distanced himself and his friends, even if they try their best not to say anything. Now, yeah. when tensions get high, they do finally uh, voice what they've been thinking the whole time. Now, their elimination through the film is them being pushed away out of his life because Mm -hmm. of the event at the beginning of the film, like you would if someone was so grief-stricken that they push everyone else around them away. Now, I can't explain quite how the actual ritual that we get to (laughs) fits into the theme, but actually, I might be on to something. Um, (laughs) The monster is like... The the monster is representing all the feelings and scars uh, of what had happened to him trying to force him to succumb to his emotions and the guilt. And that's why it's trying to make him kneel at the end of the film Yeah, is it's trying to make him give up. As you see a lot of these people at the ritual, they have a lifelessness to them. Uh, They have a sense of being trapped by whatever trauma has led them to that situation and they inevitably kneeled towards this monster that is the rep- that is the representation of what I think is their trauma. And so when he does decide to finally stand up to it, it and he decides to finally live and live on his own. And we get more emotion from him in those moments than we do pretty much the rest of the film when he finally breaks free of the forest and he starts screaming. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, it's the, finally the release of everything that's been weighing him down. Now, is some of this a stretch? Maybe, but I do think there's something there. No, I don't. I don't think it's actually that much of a stretch at all. I, I think you're right on the money. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have an allegorical element, kind of like the one that you're talking about, and you see his friends being eliminated one by one, <laughs> it's more than just the allegorical element, right? It, yeah. it, his friends are being eliminated one by one, which is unfortunate uh, but you know i did not know that this was a horror film to, to answer that question as, as we said like i knew there was some horror but not like what we got i didn't expect it um to be this atmospheric horror film but fortunately i i like those types of films quite a bit um and i thought the moody explore, explorational tone of this film worked um now i'll get to the allegorical element kind of like you did uh, I actually think it might be some of the weaker parts of the film or, or some of the how it tries to fit those pieces together. But before we get there, I just want to mention how great the filmmakers create that sense of dread and mm-hmm. foreboding pretty much throughout. There's one scene in particular that I think is the most terrifying. And it's, it's the one that I will uh, probably think back to when it comes to this movie. It won't be the monster, which I do like. Um, right. It won't be the ending which I liked, it will be that cabin scene when they wake up. Oh. <laughs> um, it's, the, it's the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown um, that really just had me like, oh my gosh, like what am I watching? Uh, it's, a high, it's a high point for me in terms of the scary. When Luke goes upstairs to find Phil naked and bowing, to that straw man idol. Yeah. That's just messed up. Oh, man. And that type of thing is like completely frightening. Much more so than any of the jump scares 
uh, which were effective, the few ones that we had here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I appreciate the reservation of the jump scares. Cause like, yeah. like you said, that moment where he's praying to that. <laughs> yeah. Thing. It's not a jump scare, but that's oh, literally the creepiest man. moment that of the entire is thing to me. Hor- that's when Cece looked up and she was like, Oh my. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah. That moment really sticks with you. It, it really is horrifying. And I'm glad that they didn't do something typical. Like, you know, in that moment you expect him to turn around and jump or, uh, to have his eyes scratched out or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like something kind of lame. It's not that. Yeah, and I like that it's not like that. Like, like and most it of works. it is not. That's what I appreciate about a movie like this. Is mm-hmm. Most of it is not jump scares. There are a few. Um, but really, it's more that atmosphere and that dread yes. throughout. Yeah, that the horror overall, I think, is done really well. And like you said, those jump scares are effective when they do them, but they're not cheap. Uh huh. Uh, none of the scares in this film feel cheap to me. Uh, the The slow build of the scares, like you were also mentioning, is so well done. The yeah. tension of just like focusing on the trees, and then sometimes something moves, and sometimes something doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Um, now, I, I I think that while the horror did work for me uh, really well overall, I did have a bit of an issue. And that's the hillbilly ritual. (laughs) Like, I was really hoping this would not be in the movie. Like, while I'm watching it, I'm like, I hope nothing shows up. Like, I hope people don't show up. Mm -hmm. It's going to feel a little lame. Now, and when they did show up, it felt pretty tropey. I felt like I was walking into the Wicker Man all of a sudden. Like, I I, I saw it, and I just, I literally, by the way. I've seen the really bad one. I haven't seen the good one. Oh, the good um, one's great. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like I saw it and I just thought like, I really did think to myself like, oh boy, like here we go. <laughs> I know what's going to happen now. Uh-huh. And I was mostly right. Um, yeah. It, it, that, that's where my biggest problem with the film actually happens. But there is a redeeming quality to these moments that, I don't I don't know if it redeemed it completely or not, but I didn't expect the revelation of what was upstairs in that cathedral, I'm gonna call it, mm-hmm. area. Because mm-hmm. it's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. I really love that part because you know, there's the woman that's like almost sympathetic with with yeah. Luke, and she mentions, you know, everlasting life, like that they get to live forever. Mm-hmm. And well, that sounds kind of nice, right? Um, it's clear that these people have kind of lost their souls though. And there's clearly an exchange for that loss of life, but it's even worse than that. She fails to mention that this isn't like vampires where you retain your youth, (laughs) right? Yes. Instead, eternal life is you decomposing your body and still being alive until you're like probably all the way to a puddle of goo and you're still having to have this existence, which Kind of goes back to what I was saying about what this movie is saying with the ritual yes. portion. It's a whole nother state of misery to be yeah. in this state. These people can't move. They're skeletons. And they're clearly, they seem to be in agony. And oh, it's man. it's because they've given in to this monster that represents whatever has happened to them in the past. Yeah, And I just really like that that ties back in with what I feel like is what the movie is talking about. No. And I, I think, I think you're 
right on, Alex. And I hadn't really thought about this until you, you were talking about it here. Is It's just this fact that at the end there, he, it's an act of mercy is what he provides yeah. whenever he starts burning them. He, he's providing them an act of mercy, um, which is weird to say, but it's, it's true, right? Like mm. he's putting them out of their suffering, which is, you know, in a sense, like he as since the incident at the beginning of the film, he has been kind of this dead man walking, you know, there's this unspoken tension between him and the friend group. Um, that's just throughout. I wish we got a little bit more of actually, but mm-hmm. before, before we get there, I, I do want to say the monster itself is pretty terrifying. I'm with you with the, the kind of the tropey aspect of the human characters it's one-sided, you know, that that's what happens with tropes is like, you're not quite sure what to think of these people. If they become dehumanized in some sort of way, it's almost impossible to humanize them without like yeah. trying to justify what they're doing. You know, it's, it's really yes. weird. And so you don't even need them. Like the, the symbols in the trees and just like the remnants of their existence is enough, you know? Yes. Um, so, so I'm right there with you uh, as far as that. But I actually, I like the monster itself. Um, so I guess it's this Nordic God they say, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that literally seems to blend in with all the trees, with all of its weird sort of limbs. It's awkward, like how it can stretch out that moment where it like reaches up to the sky. is just really creepy. It feels human. It's got like human hands and, and, uh, it feels otherworldly. It feels part of the natural world in a sense. Lots of times in these monster movies, when you get that monster reveal, I think about the original It, like the miniseries It, mm. um, from like, was that the early 80s or late or uh, er, late 80s, early yeah, 90s? It was the 80s, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, the, when you get the reveal at the end of what It actually is, it loses all sense of terror whatsoever. Here, not so much. I still think it's pretty terrifying. Um, even though I think like the film is m- more successful and most successful in those slow build elements, in, in that cabin scene, for example, is where it's at its height. Um, but yeah, this monster is terrifying. And on top of its <laughs> physical traits, it projects your deepest fears or maybe your deepest desires, in a sense, and brings those to life as you face almost certain death. That's yeah. a pretty terrifying thing to consider. It is interesting that it shows you something you like before it kills you. Like, like, and it doesn't like hold the illusion while it kills you. It lets go of it. Uh-huh. Like it drops the facade wow. before yes. like the real terror can drop come in. So it's like it is cruel when it does it instead yes. of like almost like because it could have been merciful when mm-hmm. it has that type of. When it, if like when he's screaming Gale or whatever, uh-huh. and he could have it could have just killed him while it was pretending to be Gale, and he like would never have known. But the fact that it drops the facade just to torture him, ooh, yeah, oof, yeah, that's right, yeah. And that's why I said like it's not necessarily your deepest fears; it's almost like the deepest desire. And so like mm. for Dom, it was seeing Gale, right? Yeah. Um, but for Luke. His deepest, it's not his deepest fear necessarily, but like his deepest desire is to actually go back to that moment um, Mm. and to do something different. Like that's what he wants more than anything else is to go back to that moment and change what happened. Mm. Um, Which I just think is is another element to think about here. Very interesting. Uh, Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that is interesting. Mm, I like that. <laughs> um, but as for the design, I gotta say that obviously I, d- I love the design of this creature. Uh, the only thing that I had like any gripe about, and this uh-huh. is probably nitpicking, is the human proportioned hands and arms that grab Dom. Like those specific limbs, none of the other ones, because they look, I wish they looked just a little more otherworldly, like just a bit like i don't I don't want like giant grotesque monster hands but just something a little off about them mm. just to be a little more disturbing because they they just look a little odd when they lift him up by his face yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're carrying him it just looks a little odd to when i take him over to his kill destination but everything else involving the monster man so well done so unique uh my only other gripe with the monster is something it does. And it's something we see a lot with horror movies. It's like, monster, why didn't you just run in a straight line and kill him? Why yeah. did you like have to go around <laughs> instead? <laughs> so like that's at the end when he's running underneath the lights to get away from it for the final time. Yeah. And he runs underneath the lights, and instead of just running straight for him it like goes around some trees and has a harder time getting to him i'm just like i, I don't know why you did that <laughs> but it's yeah. a minor squabble it, i could it's... i could make an allegorical stretch to justify the monster but i'll pass <laughs> oh okay. okay but i do think i think the weakest element of the movie and it's honestly it's not i'm still trying to figure out what i think about the allegorical element in some some ways i think it is the weakest element of the movie because i think it's too uh heavy-handed but in other aspects i really like it and i just think we could have explored it even more i mean of course as you said luke is affected by the movie's opening scene um and he's dealing with that guilt of him potentially being a coward while also dealing with the grief of losing losing well i kind of i kind of saw as his best friend like he was the one that was really closest to uh robert i think his name was um robert of course seemed to be the balance and the compass of this group of friends kind of tying them all together Uh, and so then they're here on this trip almost out of obligation Um, Mm -hmm. they don't seem very connected with each other they seem pretty disconnected yeah and you know all of this these are great uh topics for exploration but I think the film either handles them too heavily at times or just kind of avoids them. My favorite parts of kind of that allegorical element were when the characters were having those those tiny micro interactions where things just weren't quite right. You could tell that they were handling this tragedy differently. It was really fascinating. There's so much to work with. Um but it's almost like they're using brush strokes instead of going into detail more. Mm. The the ritual where they, you know, pour one out for their friend. The ritual? It, yeah. Mm. <laughs> where they poured one out. Oh, it, just, it goes too long? <laughs> yeah. Well, it does go too long whenever they're pouring it out, it's which funny. is weird. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Um, but if it, it's, it's disconnected, you know? Like, you're not like, you're thinking something's off with this group. It's not personal like you you might think it would be, in a sense. Uh, it's like they're going through the motions. And it's because there's this unspoken <laughs> drama between all of them. That's the part that I wanted to see just a little bit more of. 
Um, but that would have required seeing a little bit more of the characters and probably lengthening the film a little bit. So it's a balance that you had to like um, put into place. You know, like I'm not sure if it got it right or not, uh, but it was just a minor squabble that I had. But fortunately, this film is more than an allegory. And we see the personal journey of Luke, which I liked. Um, I think I, I do wish there was more causation to his development. Like, if he has indeed become a person who at, at the end of the film promises to never leave Dom, um, that means that he's shed his cowardice, right? In a sense. or he, And he's become more of a hero, I guess. But what what exactly has caused him to do this? Do we get that moment of realization or that reason for the realization that maybe he's always been this type of person, right? He did hold that bottle. Like, he turned the bottle of alcohol at the beginning of the film into a sort of like he thought about it like he was that type of person that wanted to defend his friend but he was too late has it always been this type of person we don't know and we never get that point of realization so i'm not sure Hmm. what makes him change um maybe he there's no form of acceptance or there's no form of there's no you know what i'm saying like i'm I'm not sure what causes his change if that makes sense uh from the way I was feeling about it is that what caused his change was the incident where he didn't do it. So and I know that sounds lame or shallow, but the incident that caused his change from being uh, the coward, I guess that we'll call him that yeah. as he was in the opening moments is that moment where his friend dies. That's not an opportunity to, he is not going to let something like that happen again. Mm. Uh, there, Cause there, uh, this is six months after the death. Ah, He's the clearly moment is the moment. Yeah. yeah. This is the moment that he finally gets to do what he wanted to do. I mean, he had a chance to get away and he does go back for Dom and he says he won't leave him. And then when he's, he tries to save Dom, he breaks his, he, he pops his thumb out of its socket to try to save him. He does everything he can to save him. And while he does come up short, he does what he promises he's going or he tries to do. (laughs) He's not able to save Dom, but this, this trip is his moment to redeem himself because of the opening moment. Cause that that's the catalyst that sets him into, Hmm. I'm not letting this happen again. I like it. No. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. There's a lot I think we could continue to explore, but Alex, MVM Plus yep. today, uh, we had David from the Saved by the Belial podcast on for MVM Plus to defend his comments on Underwater, <laughs> and we talk about a whole lot more, including Alex's tweets and um, uh, Dragon Ball Z, of course, and uh, dubs Marvel? versus subs, and Marvel. We We talk about it all honestly, and just a conversation between friends. And that is over at patreon.com slash MVM pod. You can become a bargain base mite and listen to all of those MVM plus episodes, including the one that we recorded just before the show. But now Alex, let's get into our awards, starting with you, the coolest character award who you got Phil, because (laughs) Unlike everybody else in this film, he wants to actually talk about the completely horrifying thing that happened in the house yeah. <laughs> originally. And 
if they just talked about it, they could have possibly avoided every single thing that happens later in the film. Yeah. Share your feelings, man. (laughs) (laughs) I like Phil. Yeah, Phil was a character that I felt sympathetic for. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Yeah, you feel... You feel bad for him because he actually he wants to talk about it and everyone ignores him, which yeah. is a possibly interesting commentary on when masculinity has gone too far. Interesting. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Which we see like the opposite of his character, right, in Hutch. Yes. Um, Hutch does not. And, and I, I think he'll come back maybe in our awards here in a little bit. But Mike my, my Cole's character is actually, I mentioned him, but I think it's the most important character for this friend group, and that's Robert, who is killed at the very beginning of the film. Mm. Uh, one of the characters at one point says, he was the best of all of us. And while we don't know if that's true, because he wasn't put through this similar situation, which seemed to bring out the dark side of all of them, uh, it certainly feels true, and it makes the loss of this character immediately more meaningful and more of a catalyst for the entire story. Um, yeah. So I wish I wish we would have uh, got to know him a little bit better because I did think you know he was kind of the glue uh, and maybe the best of this friend group tying them all together. Yeah, I definitely seen that way. Um, what about your most memorable line award? Uh, so mine comes from Dom. Uh, <laughs> Dom said, my old scoutmaster used to say, if the shortcut was a shortcut, it wouldn't be called a shortcut. It would be called a route. And I was like, yeah, this is just so obvious to me, right? It's like, there's a reason people don't use, don't go through this forest. You know, like this Mm -hmm. is going to be really difficult. People don't do this. Why are we going through the forest with the guy who potentially tore his meniscus? (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's just a bad idea. Just too impatient, man. They, no one wanted to carry him. Turns out he could have made it. Oh, totally. <laughs> he was fine, uh, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Uh, my my line is actually from Dom as well. He says, "Well, this is the house we get murdered in." <laughs> oh, man, so true. Yeah, um, yeah. Pretty good little commentary. Yeah. What about your can't believe that acting award? You know, I want to give it to. I'm going to give it to the actor that played Phil because he did a really great job. It's like he he is especially creepy when he's waking up from his dream, like while he's praying to the thing. But then you also kind of see him spiral into what seems like madness before he dies. And just watching him is like really unsettling. Uh, The actor was is Arshur Ali. Mm -hmm. And he does a really great job of portraying like, his really misery and kind of a, this downward spiral he's going in. Yeah. No, he does a great job. Honestly, all of the performances here, I think are pretty solid. So, yeah. um, my can't believe the acting award goes to Robert James Collier as Hutch. Um, first off, just a shout out, uh, to all those Downton Abbey fans out there. This, <laughs> this actor played Thomas and Downton Abbey. Um, but I think he's also just, pretty good actor there's that scene that we mentioned where he talks about not wanting to psychoanalyze the experience they just had in the cabin and it's just that denial that is plainly evident he sells that in his performance right this is the character who is that like masculine macho type of character and 
it wouldn't work if he didn't bring that sort of energy into the role. Uh, he's it's also there's more layers to him, I think, than than we give him credit for. Like he gets to that point where he's trying to be logical, you know, and he's going to send uh, Luke by himself. This is right before he's killed, you know, mm-hmm. um, to stay with the other two. He's going to send Luke by himself to get help. Of course, that doesn't happen, though. Right. Right. Um, I, I I thought his performance was, was really strong um, as that kind of masculine adventurous type. Yes, I think I think he was. He was, he was the bear grills of the group. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah. I hated to see him uh, die so early compared yeah. to everybody else. Oh man, I didn't expect it. Either. I didn't expect him to be dead right there. Like when that Mm-mm. happened, I was like, "Wow, Mm-mm. oof." Yeah, that was I didn't expect the friend group to die. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I, I was a hope. Like I think that's a <laughs> testament to the movie. That's a testament to the movie, though. You know, yeah. it's like. You have to compliment it for that. It's like, I know in these horror films that everybody dies. I get it. I get it. <laughs> like, I still was like, you know what, though? Like, they can make it out of this. <laughs> right? So positive they, of you. They're, they're going to stick together, you know, and they're going to, like, come together. And that's what the, the lesson's going to be. But, of course, that's my expectation. Yeah. And so the 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 <laughs> film knows that, and it plays on your expectation, and it's a credit to the film that it gets your hopes built up in that sort of way, or at least my hopes built up in that sort of way, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and of yeah. course, Luke is going to gain redemption by saving them. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a, completely unable to. Yeah, exactly. You, you think he might be able to go out and save Dom or something when he finally gets one arm free? Yeah. After he breaks his thumb or he dislocates it and he gets out, and then he can't get his other hand out. It's like, ah. So this is another interesting aspect, now that I'm thinking about it, Alex, though, is like, it's the fact that, you know, what what has changed for him from the beginning of the film to the end of the film? Well, nothing much, except for the realization that the, of the fact that, you know what, like, he wasn't in control of that situation. Mm-hmm. Just like he's not in control of the situation that he's just been through in these woods. Right. Yeah. Um, there's nothing really he could have done. Like the situation has happened and it is what it is. And it was out of his control, <laughs> um, yeah. which is interesting. It's just another aspect. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of meat on these bones. Um, what about your standout effect award? Uh, so mine was that ending chase scene between the monster and Luke, where it's like he's running through the forest, but then he's running through the like, uh, supermarket type of place. Uh, yeah. That was awesome. so cool. Very, very cool. Uh, where it started to blend the uh, vision with reality. That was really well done. And re- really interesting how that was shot. So that was my standout effect. But what about you? Uh, you know, for the effect, I w- I'm just going to use the, sm- the first appearance of the monster, which is when... Luke is looking in the he's out in there he's out in those trees by himself because he goes out to the ridge or what he thinks is going to be the ridge yeah and you see him looking the camera slowly zooming and you don't see anything you cannot see anything and then you then you see something move away Uh and you're oh oh god no (laughs) and you see very quickly this thing's kind of big this thing Mm -hmm. that that looked big but you see nothing of it. So it makes it so much better. Oh. Yeah. 
Good, good stuff. What about your oh, that's a good shot award? Yeah, this might actually be what would have been my best best effect as well. But the the shots, it's too good to pass up. Actually, I, I initially had something like with trees and fog, but I was thinking, and I remembered like the what is probably the iconic image of this film, and that is the monster standing in front of the burning building, holding yeah. oh, the cool. that the sympathetic yeah. cultist body or by the head yeah and he's just sitting he's sitting there watching mm. dude it's such a cool shot like yeah. it is <laughs> that is cool you're like oh my gosh yeah it makes me think back to um just flashing my head krampus when krampus is jumping from there's just a similar vibe when krampus jumping from house to house <laughs> oh yeah there's a, like it's kind of a long shot of the monster in mm-hmm. just a horrifying mode, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> yeah, that's how that final chase scene feels for me. And, yeah. and honestly, you you mentioned Krampus to me, I think, on the text message, and I, I actually thought for some reason I thought Krampus a couple of times while I was watching this. And I yeah. don't, I'm not sure why. It's not a very Krampusy movie. But, no, it's not like. But Krampus the monster at all, but has some Krampus vibes. Yeah, well. you and me both thought it. So there's something there. I just don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> it might be our connections be- between like those are the two most horror sort of movies we've watched True. on the show. So, yeah. um my oh that's a good shot award is the first real shot of the woods that we get when they enter. Um and you get that effect where it starts to zoom in and you get the music and it's just it's creating the atmosphere again. And then all of a sudden you see something move and you're like, "Wait, what did I just see? What was, and it turns out it was the group, right? Um, it's like the group of these four guys moving and they're coming towards the camera, but it's unsettling because you're like, you're horrified at first. You're like, Oh my gosh, I just saw something move. And then it was them. <laughs> um, yes. I, I, I like that aspect. Uh, really, really cool. And, and all those shots of the woods to create that mood. So creepy. So creepy. <laughs> so creepy. I mean, it's excellent use of, that slow zoom and the music or the slow pull away and music. It's just like, Oh yeah. It's great. It's great. Well, that brings us to our rating and ranking Alex. Why don't you go ahead uh, and start us? Yeah, this one, you know, I don't, I didn't know where to put it. I still don't know where to put it because I I like a lot of aspects of it. Actually, I like almost all the aspects of it Uh from the monster to the story of Luke and everything going on with him to the slow tension builds the, the way some of the horror uh, pays off. It's just so creepy. The cabin, the cabin scene was just so good because what I liked about the cabin scene is everyone's going through something different, mm-hmm. but we can't see what it is. It's just, <laughs> just yeah. so Oh, so creepy. And then also, we never talked about it, but the marks on Luke's chest, mm-hmm. just like giant question mark until <laughs> you get to the, the stuff later on. Now, yeah. while everything I think is pretty excellent, it's when they do get to the ritual site, I do think the movie loses a bit of steam. Mm-hmm. It loses a bit of that mystique uh, for me. But just when I'm losing interest in the film, we go to what I called the cathedral and it's just yeah. completely horrifying. Mm. And I really like, cause it's, it's, I would never have expected what they see up there. 
that was probably more shocking than anything else in the movie for me <laughs> was, yeah. was that moment. And so I love all the moments that that plays off of and the finale. And uh, I'm really debating on, and I'm stuck between a four and a four point, you know, I'm going to give it a four, mm-hmm. not a 4.5 because the, the, the ritual hillbillies do hurt it for me, but this is a really great film. I, I would recommend it to anyone that likes horror. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. Me too. I so I'm thinking about this movie and I'm thinking about the first half of this movie in particular. I love the first half of this mm-hmm. movie. And I love this idea where when they go into that cabin and they go through this experience together and they have that conversation and that reveal like and they don't want to talk about what happened between them. You know, it just everything starts to kind of click into place there and you're like Oh yeah. So this, this experience is kind of a mirror, you know, to the grief that they felt from losing their friend, you know, they all experienced it in different sort of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet they're not wanting to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, they're not going to psychoanalyze it. And you're right. Like we've got this movie of, of four guys kind of around our age, Alex, that are not so willing to dive deep into their emotions uh, yeah. except for Phil who might be willing to, but won't be allowed to because that's not what people do apparently. Right. Um, <laughs> which is unfortunate. And, and I love that aspect, the dread, yeah. like that unspoken dread that like can't be named once again. Um, that is the horrifying aspect of this film. Yeah. The monster is terrifying. Right. Uh, yeah, the hillbillies have some issues. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the ritualistic, like, so, sort of cult aspect is scary. But yeah, it's that unspoken dread um, that feels true. That is the real horror here. And so, with that in mind, some of, some of my problems with the film, some of the, like, on-the-nose stuff, uh, I didn't love... I'm with you with the hillbillies. To me, though, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I was a 3.5, and the more I think about this movie, the, the more there is to digest, and so it bumps up to a 4 for me. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a, a 4 out of 5. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that rating. And we didn't even talk about the best part, which was when he punches the old lady, which is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> it was funny. It's that was so funny. funny. I love, love it. it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, next week, Alex, we have The Mist versus Big Man Japan. Uh, we will see which comes out. I know you've seen The Mist before. Please, Big Man Japan. Please. <laughs> <laughs> you can vote for that to, to determine it over I, on yeah. uh, Twitter. Or as a bargain base, my over at patreon.com slash MVM pod. Alex, do you have a rhyme for the Miss versus Big Man Japan? Um, or should I go first? Have you already written one down? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Okay, you go ahead. I, I, give me just a second. Will Big Man Japan get lost in the mist? Or will... Uh, <laughs> or I thought will, you wrote one down. Uh, I lost it. Or will another twist... Be in our midst. Okay, okay. Um, all right. I've never seen Big Man Japan, but I think I'd be a fan. As for the mist, I'd rather it be mist. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is pulling his punches here. He has a favorite. I do. I, no, I, I, is- actually, the mist is good. The mist is actually, it's good. I just, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> 
Oh, but it's not up to me, which is part of the fun of this. Because yeah. if I I've been up I to do, all of these, I do think we're going to end up watching the Miss probably, Alex. And so we're both like leaning towards Big Man Japan. What I'd know about the Mist, I would say Big Man Japan would be nice for variety after the yes, ritual. It would be. That's what. Oh, that's what I'm thinking too. Is yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It would be nice after the ritual. <laughs> As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. We're on Letterboxd, Alex Cornett and Eric Neely. Email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes sometimes with our friends like David on those shows. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Something with those algorithms, those reviews really help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Combo Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week. Try to stay alive. I had finished it right when you were starting it. And you uh-huh. said, um, <laughs> this is a horror film, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know. I really didn't know.